Well, good evening. Those of you I saw this morning, it was great to see you. Those who are here tonight, here for the first time, glad to see you as well, Ed. Lou. Hey, um, so some pictures for tomorrow night that uh, was going to be up tonight. I've got some Washakoi stuff, and I was sad to learn there's no more Washakoi. It doesn't happen in town anymore here. Um, we did a musical here, the kids, my last year, and Sandy Bauer made this huge costume that looked like a giant songbook, and it was Salty, if you guys remember Salty, the singing musicals. Face painted blue, so those will be some fun pictures tomorrow night as well. But um, what I want to do is, uh, some of you weren't here, so of course I gotta, I gotta show you my family here once again. And so let me do that uh, if I can remember how to do this now. There we go. Well, this is our crew here, and we are. Uh, this was a wedding that was in July of this uh, past year here, or this year. Uh, my daughter Mackenzie and her husband Devin, and so there's the whole crew together. Uh, we've got another daughter getting married in December, the one on the far left. That's Bethany, who was uh, part of this church here. She uh, joined together with us. So we have five kids, ages 29 down to 16, and we've got a daughter-in-law in there, my son Nick, and, uh, and the, together the two of them gave us this this past year here in February. So we just are enamored with little Drew. I like to call her Drewby Dooby Doo is my little Drewby Doo. So what a blessing God has been in this um, past year here to us. So um, if you want more pictures, you just see me after church and I've got plenty of those for you. <laughs> hey, we stepped into a challenging uh, series here for this weekend. Keeping the Love Command is the title of this. And what I want you to see is that the Lord has given us some Something that we're not to mince with. He's given us a command, and when it's a command, we're to be obedient to that. There were a couple of key verses we looked at this morning. I want to uh, go back to those a minute and just kind of form where we were at and then build on that tonight. So it says this in 1 Thessalonians 4.9. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God, and taught by God to what? What was it again? To love each other. So you and I, we have this personal instructor, this tutor, uh, this, this personal guide who is there ready and willing to teach us how to love if we what? If we listen, if we're going to pay attention to His Word and to God's voice in our life by the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible tells us God is love, so who better to teach us about love than God Himself. He is the essence of love. And I hope that excited you to know God can teach me. Um, doesn't need to just be the preachers up here or Sunday school teachers. God has a personal interest in you and wants you to grow in this life of love. So here's verse 10 we looked at then in, in Thessalonians. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, Paul said to the people back in his day and to us today, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. To do what more and more? To love each other. To love each other. We, we shouldn't get to a certain area. And I ask you today, who's achieved uh, full love in, in their life? Nobody has in that. Has anybody reached their full potential? No hands went up. And so many of us have done some really great and wonderful things. And I look out at some of you who I've ministered to in the past. A lot of love being expressed in this community and to other people. But can we do even more? Well, we sure can. And we need to be until the Lord takes us home. Paul actually prayed for his fellow uh, believers to grow in their love. Here's the prayer that he prayed for them. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more and more and more in knowledge and in, of depth of insight. And that's my prayer for you here at Brook as well, that God's love in you would just excel 
and abound, overflow to others. So we found a couple truths in this that we looked at today. One, we're personally taught by God to love others. Two, God desires that we, desires that we excel in this act of love with one another. Well, then we looked at the key verse here of our series, John 13, 34. A new command I give you. And instead of command, we've been using this word order because a command is an order given to us. Uh, and this is an order from Jesus who is our command. He is the head of the church. He is the Lord of Lord. He's the King of Kings. And so this order comes from above. And you and I then have been given marching orders. And so with this new command, a new standard was given as well. What was the standard? Do you remember? Let's look at the rest of the verse here. Oops, I apologize. There it is. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. What's our standard or really who is our standard? Jesus is. Jesus is our standard. And so this is a command we should be paying attention to. Well, then we looked at Romans chapter 12. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And this idea of giving preference was the idea of take the lead. Let somebody take the lead. Not you all the time being in the front. And so I ask you the question about how do you prefer? What do you do in prefer? How do you prefer someone? And so we ask the question, do you prefer coffee? Or do you prefer tea? We prefer one of those or the other, don't we? And so what do we do if we prefer coffee? We've raised it up and we've let go of tea. And so then the question is, do you prefer you or do you prefer others that come your way? And so often we get in trouble because we prefer ourselves, don't we? And that's what God's calling us to, to, to humble ourselves as He did. So I asked you this assignment, did you prefer anybody this afternoon? Well, all I did was I took my dog out for uh, to run around in Grandpa's place. So I preferred my dog because I would have rather had laid my head down for a while and took a little snoozer, but the dog wanted to go out on the farm, and so we did that. So I hope you considered that when you were doing your daily afternoon today. Did I prefer somebody? And that needs to become the essence of who you are. Am I going to prefer others over myself here? So we're putting ourselves out there. Uh, we're hoping that what we see within this is that God's going to bring this to us. My joy and delight uh, and your joy will be made full, complete, and overflowing. And we think that if we're going to prefer somebody over us, that what ends up happening is we're going to live a life of, of sadness and sacrifice and be unhappy. That's not the case. God's going to fill us with His joy in this. So let me ask this question. Is this world that we live in now, is it living according to the command and the order of Jesus? Is the majority of the world? Absolutely not. They are living for self. And because of that, there are a lot of unhappy, there are a lot of sad, there are a lot of depressed people running around. And it's also sad that many Christians, they don't understand this concept of love that God's calling us to, and they're living for self. And so we get into this concept of using this, this blessed word love in a lot of ways that we shouldn't be. And we say things like, I love my car, or I love my TV show, I love pizza, I love this shirt, I love that movie, I love, and you fill in your favorite sports team here. And we begin to use love in a manner that God didn't intend, because people that live like this and speak like this, they fall in and they fall out of love. Why is that? Because it's all about feelings. And so when the feeling is gone... So's the love in their life. Anybody a Barry Manilow fan in here from the 70s? Mom, raise your hand because you loved Barry. She's the one who brought Barry Manilow uh, into my life there. 
He released a song in 1975. It was called Trying to Get the Feeling Again. Anybody? I see a few heads nodding on that. Listen to some of the words. This is crazy. Doctor, my woman is coming back home today. Could you maybe give me something? And so he's looking for something because he's got an ailment. He's got some disease. What, what is the disease? Well, here's the disease. Because the feeling is gone. And I must get it back right away before she sees that I've been up, down, trying to get the feeling again. Remember that? And I've looked high and low and everywhere I possibly can. He says, I've read every book. I think he missed a book, didn't he? That he should have. I've looked through every meditation and poem, he writes, just to bring home that old sweet sensation, but there's just no trying to get the feeling again. It seemed to disappear as fast as it came. That's the belief of too many people in our world that love is this feeling, and when the feeling is gone, then my love is gone as well. You need to hear this. Love is not a feeling. Would you say that with me? Sure. Love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. It is a command from our, uh, the head of the church. Love is not a feeling. I think the problem with most is that they, they look at love and love is this noun. It's something that we can experience and have instead of love being a verb. Love is a verb. It is an action that needs to take place. And so in our culture, marriage typically occurs when two people fall in love. They decide they want to spend the rest of their lives together. <clears throat> I have two daughters who are in that boat this year. And so it's this intense feeling of love that prompts them to say, I do to one another. And then they make all kind of lofty promises. We'll remain faithful to each other, honoring, respecting our mates in sickness and in health till death do we part. Unfortunately for too many people, once the feelings of that initial are gone and the feelings have passed, what happens? They, they separate and divorce becomes a part. So Jesus turns this way of thinking on its ear. Instead of telling us to love each other based on feelings towards them, He commands us then to love one another whether we feel like it or not. And so that's the essence of love. We love whether we feel like it or not. Again, let's look at our command here. A new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus' love is not based on how He feels about us or how we even feel about Him. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. Real love shows up when you have uh, contradictory feelings towards somebody. You, you feel like maybe slapping them in the head because of what they've done or uh, what they've said to you. But instead, you just smile and you bless them and you do something nice for them. You feel like giving someone a piece of your mind, but instead of telling them where they can get off, you instead hold your tongue and you pray for them. You treat them like you love them even when you don't feel like it. And that's what real love is all about. Even though my heart may not be feeling led in this direction, it's a command that's been given to me. And so when we're at odds with another person, what are we going to do? But we're going to stick to our guns and love them regardless because Jesus has commanded us to. So Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still what? Sinners. Sinners. Christ died for us. We were not giving God any warm, fuzzy feelings when He made the commitment to the, on the cross for us. We were instead enemies with Him. We were rebelling against Him. He loved us when we weren't loving Him. That is the God kind of love that He calls us to. People can be dead set against you 
and you can still show them love in their life. So let me just ask you this. Anybody ever shown you love in that manner before? Maybe you have just been at odds with somebody, but they kept on loving you when all you did was hurt them, make their life miserable, and they loved you anyway. You know, if somebody treated you in that manner, that's a person you're not going to forget, and you probably fell in love with them. Anybody ever believe in you when you didn't believe in yourself? Somebody loved you even when you didn't even like yourself? And if that's the case, that person loved you beyond measure here. And if you've had people that have done that in your life, then the question is, why aren't you doing that for others in your life as well? The greatest stuff you could give someone is not money or, or stuff or things, but to, to believe in them and then to love them unconditionally, to treat them like they're valuable because they are valuable. They're valuable to God, and if people are valuable to God, then they should be valuable to us as well. We don't live by feelings. We're not carnal, flesh-driven Christians. We've been ordered by the head of the church to love people no matter how we feel. We've been ordered to love others as He's loved us. So God is teaching us. That's what this initial passage said, teaching us to love others. Well, I want to give you a passage tonight that we're going to look at, Romans 13, 9. This is how it begins. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. You've heard that before. Jesus said that. And then we look at verse 10. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The Amplified says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. It never hurts anyone. Therefore, unselfish love is the fulfillment of the law. We're discovering what God is teaching us about love, and we've been looking for some practical ways. This morning was this practical way of preferring others above yourself. Love prefers. Let others take the lead. Now God's going to teach us to do this. Love's going to teach us that it does no harm to one's neighbor. So who's your neighbor? Who's our neighbor? So in my neck of the woods, I have the Joyce's, we have the Pelons, Live Caddy Corner, Paula Lives, the Mandrells, the Wheelers. So those are my neighbors in my neighborhood. Is that what God's getting at here to, to deal with our neighbors? You, you know that's not the case. Jesus was asked this very question by an expert in the law. Who's my neighbor? And he gave him a story. What was that story? Do you recall? The Good Samaritan. It's a wonder, it's probably one of the greatest stories in the Bible that we have, and it answers that very question. Uh, the Jewish man was leaving from Jerusalem, heading on his way to Jericho, and while on his way down, he was beaten and robbed and left for dead. And then along come two holy men, a priest and then a Levite. And both of them see the situation. What do they do? They walk across the road on the other side, go down their way. And then who comes along? the Samaritan, whom we call the Good Samaritan. He stops, sees the man, bandages him up, takes him on his donkey. He ends up taking him to the inn, takes care of him. He loves him. Jesus ends the story with this question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? And the expert in the law, if you know the story of Samaritans and Jews, they were just at odds with each other. He can't even say it was the Samaritan. He says instead, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. So who's your neighbor? Who is our neighbor? It's anyone whose path that we cross, who is in danger, who is hurting, who is alone, who's lost, frightened, depressed, discouraged, angry. 
That's your neighbor. That's the people that God's calling you to love and not bring harm into their life. It's not just the person next door. And so because we live in love and are obedient in love, we will cause no harm to anyone that we ever encounter in this life. As a matter of fact, if you walk in love, love will take it we'll take that hurt upon ourselves as well before another person will get hurt. You know, there are guys that follow our president around in black suits and little, what do they call it? What's their names? Secret service guys. What's their job? They're to protect the president. They're there from any harm, a bullet or somebody coming and rushing him. All of us need to be like the secret service, protecting our neighbors, these people that God brings into our life. And isn't that what Jesus did for us upon the cross? He took the bullet for us. We should have been the ones dying for our sins. Jesus instead took the wages of sin, which is death for our sake. He saw what was coming, this penalty, the judgment, and He said, I'll do it. I'm going to take it for them. And so we don't have to pay for our mess-ups. We don't have to pay for our mistakes because our Savior has done that for us already. Well, John 15, 12 and 13 says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And so this is the commandment given to us again in a later chapter, but along with this, greater love has no one than this, than one to lay down his life for his friends. We're to get in the way. If harm is coming to someone and we know it, then we're to intervene in that. That is the gospel, the good news of Jesus' great love for us, and so we need to extend that to those around us. And so Jesus orders us then to do the same in this idea of uh, the idea of keeping um, the commandment. So we encounter people day in, day out who are experiencing harm, danger, abuse, threats, abandonment, neglect. And what we're supposed to do is step in, regardless of whether that costs us time or money or maybe even our reputation, maybe even our very life, like the passage says here. Love does no harm. And we should be the kind of people that others can trust, that no harm will come from us in their lives. We're supposed to be a people who leave blessings in other people's lives. We might say in our wake. Are you familiar with the concept of wake? We have a lot of definitions with the word wake. Like some would say, wake up. And I have to, my dad's sleeping now. Wake up, Wendell. No. So we got a few of you that um, uh, we have visitation wakes that we go to as well. The funeral home down the area. There's a wake behind a boat that the waves that a boat leaves behind as it slices through the water. I used to ski in uh, Lake Freeman over by uh, uh, Monticello Beach area. And so I used to love jumping over those, those wakes, the waves that it create. I want you to know and I want you to visualize this picture that when we enter and leave a room, you and I leave wakes as we go in to those rooms. So, so can you picture that in your mind? A boat, you've been on a boat, you've seen the wake behind you here. So when you walk in, There are these wonderful waves that stretch out and they're covering over the people who are in that particular room. So think of a restaurant. You go in and waves are coming out behind you. The question is, what kind of waves are they? People ought to be smiling after we leave a room. They ought to be blessed, joyous, feeling good. Think of a restaurant again. How can you bless somebody with waves? Well, tip that waitress 
in a wonderful way. Write a message on there, Jesus loves you. Um, if your food wasn't correct in the way you needed, um, sometimes maybe we do bite our tongue in order to keep a peace on that. Because we're going to love, uh, love people no matter how we feel about them. Again, because the head of the church has commanded us to. So there are wakes behind a boat in peace. Do you know there are wakes behind a tornado as well? Have you heard of that? A tornado's wake. Uh, what kind of wake does a tornado leave? It leaves one of what? Destruction and devastation. And you can picture that um, in your mind as well. I, I've done a lot of work with IDES. Do you guys support IDES here? International Disaster Emergency Service. I thought we did here at Brooke. Um, so in 2012, we were in southern Indiana in the Henryville, Maryville area. 34 people died in uh, that tornado, in the wake of this tornado. In 2013, a year later, over in Washington, Illinois, it's about 30 miles from Bloomington Normal, another uh, tornado hit there. Six people died in that. And so what I want you to see in this is the wakes that are left behind. And if you're a boat, you have a, a wake of peace behind you. But there are some people, when they enter a room, their demeanor, their behavior, their conduct, the way they treat others is so bad, it just sucks the life out of the room. And like these tornadoes have taken life, uh, physical life, we can take life away from others just in the very manner that we walk into a room. They leave people wounded, broken, and suffering. And so here's my question for you tonight. What, what do you leave in your wake? What kind of wake are you leaving with the people that you encounter? Are you helping people or are you harming people? Because love does what? Love does no, no harm in people's life. And this is the commandment God is speaking to us. And so this morning I asked you to, to prefer someone. What I, what I wanted you to do was to, to lift somebody up instead of yourself. And so I want you to continue to think about that and live a lifestyle of preferring others before yourself. Tonight I'm going to ask you to do two things in regards to this message of the love command of not harming one another. First, what I want you to do is to keep your eyes open. There is a world of people who are hurting. And I know Brooke, I know the, tent, the, uh, the population was about 1,000 people when I was here. Is that about the same here? Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of people in this community. Any of them hurting? Devastated? You know, having a tough time? So you and I need to keep our eyes open for those people who are struggling, who are alone, or maybe in abuse. And you and I need to be the shield for them. I want you to think of yourself as... Uh, one of these agents that follow the president around. Uh, these, um, what do they call them again? Just went blank. Secret service. Secret service guys. And I want you to be that for the people in your community here, that you recognize something's going off and wrong in their life, and you're going to surround them, and you're going to keep them from harm. We can do that. God's given us the power to do that, to help others out in that way. And second, I want you to consider what kind of wake you leave when you encounter the people that God brings before you. And if it's not a wake of blessing and a wake of joy, then you need to change that. It's got to change. You've got to commit to this uh, love commandment that God has given before us, regardless of how you feel about them. As you walk into this room, you may not be in great relationship, but you need to leave that room with wakes of blessings that are pouring over those people. So what kind of wake are you leaving? Not one of destruction, uh, one of blessing over people. Well, stand up with me for a moment here, would you? And I want to pray over you tonight just as, 
as Paul prayed over uh, those that he was ministering to in his time and day as well. And so Lord, as we come tonight and we consider again uh, keeping the commandment, we considered first this morning about preference and, and giving preference to others in our life, lifting them up before ourselves. Lord, you modeled that for us over and over and over again. Our fleshly side wants us to be first. Our fleshly side thinks that if we don't get there first, we won't have. We forget that you're our provider. You take care of everything we need, and so you call us to allow others to go before us. Help us to give them preference, Lord. Father, tonight you bring a verse before us here that that speaks about our neighbors and it speaks about those whom you bring into our path and we're to cause no harm in their life. And some of us maybe need to be repentant because of our words, our actions, our demeanor. It's not been good and it's caused others to have ill feelings about us. No more. No more of that. We, we, We need to change and become like you and not bring harm to anyone in their life. Instead, put this picture into everyone's mind tonight of this boat and this calm, peaceful wake that takes place behind that boat. And it just keeps stretching out and out, bringing blessing upon blessing upon blessing to people. That's what we want to be. We want to bring your blessing to others. So Father, those who are in danger in some way of their life, and maybe that's just being alone, Uh, Maybe there's other situations going on that we become aware of. We want to see ourselves be a people who surround them. Just like you stepped in and and took the bullet for us. You you took our sins and and the penalty of that. We want to be a people who surround others and keep harm from coming their way. Even if the harm comes upon us. Because we can take it. Because you are in our lives. So we can trust you that you're going to take care of us in that. Father, the love command, you you call us to be obedient to you, to love others. And the standard is the way you have loved. And so help us to love like your son, Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. For him of commitment, let's sing. I surrender all. (laughs) 